Today's podcast is sponsored by Virginia Commonwealth Roasters. Damn good coffee for damn fine people. Listen, guys, that's my roastery. That's my spiel. Check it out. I do everything I can to create craft coffee in small batches that people love. So check us out online at vcr.coffee. And if you use promo code Urban Roaster, you'll save 10% on your first order. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much for the support. Again, it's www.vcr.coffee. On this episode of The Urban Roaster, we have a strongman who is going to the Strongest Man in the World competition this year on November 7th. He has spent years building his craft, and we get to talk about COVID a little bit. We get to talk about some of the wonderful bourbon we were able to drink while we were doing this, and about the weather in Lithuania. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Tonight is Bobby Thompson. Well, we are live. Yes, sir. That was easy, wasn't it? That was actually really easy. No <laughs> one, two, three, go or anything. No, no. I figure that takes the fun out of it. Yes, so, so cheers. Cheers, my friend. Bobby, good to see you. Good it's to see you. It's been a long time. Has been. Jesus, what, a little over a year now since we've run into each other? At least, yeah. Well, we used to run into each other when the roastery was... On your end of town, but well, you were you were driving by, or I was driving in. Yeah, yeah. You had the missus <laughs> with you. She was ready to go home. That was obvious. So yeah, that was that was the normal normal experience. Yeah, beautiful woman though, but she gave you the go home eyes, and I didn't want any. I didn't want to get in the way. <laughs> nope. nope. Yeah, that's happened once or twice. <laughs> so, um, you got news. I did get news. Yes, um, I was officially invited to the world's strongest man on November seventh. Or November seventh. No, yes, that's why I'm flying in. I got my invitation a couple weeks ago. Well, congrats. Thank you. So we can we can definitely drink to that tonight. We are drinking a little uh, Abram Bowman. Yes. Some some good stuff. Yeah. Some really really. I feel guilty for even drinking it. Quite frankly. I mean, Brian knows what he's doing over there. So. Yeah. No, you're gonna have to let me know when those are coming around again. I, yeah. I need one of these on my shelf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you found out. When did you find this out? Because this has been a very rapid occurrence for you. It was. Um, I was actually, uh, I was, it, it was, I didn't expect it. Um, okay. It was a wild card position, which basically means that getting invited to the world's strongest man, there's really only one opportunity you have and to get invited for the first time, and that's to win a, a qualifying event, which in America we have one, and that is the North American. Oh, wow. Yeah. Or excuse me, you have to place top three at that, and that was the North American Giants Live Open which I took fourth and missed my invite by half a point. <laughs> so I was, I was, I was a little angry, but yeah. Um, so I wasn't expecting the call. And initially they had asked me to come in as a, uh, as a, as a reserve alternate. And which basically means you come down, you help carry the equipment. And I was kind of bitter because a lot of the guys going, I've already beaten. Yeah. But due to political reasons, they were given special invites. Yeah. So I turned it down cause I had another contest that I was going to do anyways. And then a week after that, I got a call saying, Hey, we uh we would like for you to come main stage. Um, wow. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is this is fantastic. Um, it kind of sucks because that meant one of my guys got hurt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rob Kearney completely uh, detached his tricep from his arm. Oh. Yeah. Which was a uh, sa- sour news. That. 
that's yeah. just painful to hear. Yes, sour news, um, partially because Rob's beaten me once and I've beaten him once. Where's he based out of? So Rob, um, I want to say he is getting ready to move to Seattle. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's getting ready to move to Seattle. Um, he's, uh, he, he's, <laughs> it's funny, he's not one of the big guys. He's uh, sub six foot tall. He's like 280 pounds. Jeez. So yeah, he, he's got this big rainbow. Now how big are you? I'm six one, and as of this morning, I had to fast because I had some blood work done. So I was about five pounds under. I was like three fifty. Okay. Yeah, six one, three fifty. Yeah, I'm a big dude, but you're a big dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got good genetics. What can I say? Yeah. So uh, that's that's quick turn though. That's thirty days basically. Yeah. So, from you finding out to go. Yeah. Is is it? So I know with a lot of bodybuilders, mm-hmm. they'll they have eight, ten, twelve weeks of full on balls to the wall preparation. Yep, is thirty days enough time? I mean, is that something that's doable for viability? Is it some? Well, you you were already training for something else. I, I was. I was already so that helps. Yeah, I was already training for America's Strongest Man, so I was already in. I was already in decent condition. Okay. Um, but that being said, the events are similar, but some are totally different. Yeah. So that's where, that's where things kind of switch gears on you is you train specifically for the events as you get closer and closer. Okay. And then somebody says 30 days, Hey, here's learn uh, something else. Yeah. Pretty much. Hey, this is what we're doing. And even then the way the world's strongest man works is that you have a heat, you have heats Yeah. and you have to essentially win your heat. And there are six events you could do, but you'll only do five. And they don't tell you until you get there which five you have to do. Which five? Yes. And each event or each heat, there's going to be three of them, will have to, will be three groups. Each group will not do a different event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no pressure. No, no pressure. And it, it's very obscure. They'll say, okay, there's a deadlift event. But in Strongman, you can pick something up from the floor. It can be an elevated position. It can be a bar that's like a car axle. It can be a whippy bar. It can be for reps. It can be for who can lift the most in one go. There's any variation. And you don't know what they're throwing you into. Until you get there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, that, that seems stressful to me. Um, Just the preparation, the, mo- the mentality behind it. Yes, it, it is. And you can draw some conclusions on what some things are going to be. Yeah. Um, like with the squat event, like there's really only – there's only so many variations of that event. And if you can squat, you'll be fine. Yeah. But there are certain things where it's kind of like a medley where you have to carry, where we have to carry six sandbags and throw them up over something for time, right? Yeah. Well, okay. Is it a sandbag? Is it a keg? Is it an anvil? What's in the sandbag? Is it a lead sandbag? Is it actually sand? <laughs> you know, where are we going to be carrying them on the beach? So yeah. we'll be running in sand. Just so the variations are endless on what you could be doing. All you know is that you got to be strong. Exactly. There's the, the, <laughs> there's no standard. Yeah. And there, nothing is standardized in strongman. Most sports, you know, a baseball is a baseball. Yeah. You get to major leagues, every baseball is the exact same. You get strongman, no. So strongman, I mean, to kind of put it in, to kind of dumb it down m- mentally, I'm picturing strongman as kind of the UFC of the weightlifting world. Where UFC kind of... There was kickboxing, there was boxing, there was taekwondo, there were different types of fighting styles. UFC came through and they said, all right, we're going to put two guys in a ring and they're going to go at it. There's not the structure that you see in a lot of other areas. Strongman, it seems like there's 
it's that same kind of mental capacity where you don't know what you're being thrown into. Well, that's actually the be- one of the better analogies I've heard for it. Um, but e- even with that being said, like you have guys like myself who are very statically strong. Um, I'm not very fast, but I can press, I can deadlift. If I have to move, if I have to pick something up and I don't have to move my feet, I'm usually going to win. Yeah. Like that's, that's my gift. But then you have friends or like Rob Kearney, we discussed him. He's incredibly fast. It, it, it truly is mind blowing how fast he can move with a thousand pounds on his back. Yeah. But again, when it comes to the static stuff, I would generally beat somebody like Rob. So where the different styles come into play is you could have X, Y, and Z events and you know, you have a good event coming up. You have a bad event. So, okay, well I need to just kind of pace myself on this event and tread water. So I know I can win my event to make up for the points. Okay. Because it, it's an overall point score. So you have to play your cards. Yeah. So, so it's, it really does take that focusing on what you're good at mm-hmm. and then surviving on what you're not. That's exactly that's, it. I mean, that's really mm-hmm. okay. That, you know, in the business world, we talk a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's always been mentalities of focus on what you're good at and replace what you're not, or focus on what you're good at, focus on what you're not good at to get better at it. And what, what we found in a lot of areas is you focus on what you're good at mm-hmm. and then you figure out how to survive what you're not. And that's ex- especially that's... in small business because, yeah. well, you still got to perform mm-hmm. in those other areas. Yep. So it's just, it's ultimately a lot of people think the sport is pick, you know, oh, big guys pick things up, put them down. I was like, well, actually, no, we, we have to, we have to solve puzzles. We have to be able to do math on the spot. Yeah. Um, we have to we have to look at something and say, okay, that jagged edge is there, but it weighs heavy on the back side, so I need it to roll to my lap. Okay, that's a four hundred pound sandbag, but it's a loose bag, so the ba- sand's not going to pack right. That means it's going to be an easy pick, but if I sit it on my lap and the sand doesn't land right, it's going to roll off my lap. It's going to roll off, and the, the, it's just it's there's constant it's 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 kind of like when uh, uh what's Zach uh, yeah Zach Galifianakis had the count yeah. cards yeah and uh what's your, what movie was that help me out. Uh, Las Vegas, all the um, The Hangover. The Hangover, yeah. Like yeah. Where, it's, where you see that meme <laughs> where he's got all that shit going on. Well, we're yep. all, yeah, it's basically what happens to include all the beards. <laughs> that's pretty much what we're looking at when we stare at a sandbag. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Oh, yeah. So, okay. I found a – I did a little deep dive. Ooh. And I found a video of you on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> What what country is this video I, in? I didn't say Pornhub. I said YouTube. I know. I'm still asking what country <laughs> did this because there's there's an embarrassing slip in Canada. I don't want. No 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 okay. no. No, this was 911 pounds. Uh yeah, that was at the Arnold Classic. I think that was my opening deadlift. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's your deadlift at now these days? If you had to throw a number, I would say on my day I could pull 950 or 960. Um, I just recently doubled – I pulled 905 for two. Um, and that day in contest, I pulled 926 for one. But that's not a normal deadlift. Can you see that bar right now? No, I don't have it up right now. Okay, so that at the Arnold, that's called an elephant bar deadlift. And yeah. there, there's only two ever in existence. Rogue Fitness makes them. And the only reason there's only ever two at one time because the Arnold will use that bar one time, and then next year it's the warm-up bar. And then after that, they get rid of it, completely dismantle it. Rogue does not mass produce that bar. So what makes that bar so special is that it's like 12 foot long. Yeah. So it's wh- huge when it's, it's like 12 foot long. 
But when we lift something, we, we have to account for something called oscillation, which basically means the whip in the bar. Yeah. And a deadlift bar whips a little more so you can get the weight started, and then you catch the weight so you can gather momentum. The issue with a bar like that is, is once it gets to your knees, it doesn't just wave up and down. It waves front to back. Yeah. So it wants to pull away from you, and you have to balance that weight. So that was that day, I believe, I pulled 926, and I actually just broke ground with 1,001. Yeah, that was that's that's massive. That was yeah, that was that was a rough contest. Um, I went into that contest with a completely ruptured distal bicep tendon. So seven weeks prior to that, I completely ripped my distal tendon off the bone. Ooh. Yeah. So actually, you can kind of see that puppy now, where it's all nice and flat down by my elbow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That that's incredible. Yeah. That was that was that that. So hurt. that was last year. That, that was twenty nineteen. That was twenty twenty. Oh, that was twenty twenty. That was twenty twenty. Okay. Yep. Where now? What'd you end up placing in that? I want to say I, I took ninth there. Um, okay. Yeah. So you have the Arnold Classic, which is the best way to describe it. You have the Arnold Classic and the World Strongest Man. Okay. Which the World Strongest Man is going to produce the World Strongest Athlete. A lot of the movements there are very athletic. You yeah. Know, you have to be able to move with things. The Arnold Classic will be the strongest human on the face of the earth. That is the human that wins that. The events are very heavy. They're very static. So. That being said, it's the, about lifting heavy things as opposed to lifting heavy things and carrying it over there and putting on a, on a ledge. Exactly. You may still have to move with the items, but yeah. they're going to sacrifice, excuse me, the distance for the amount of weight being moved. Okay. So there are only ever 10 people invited to the Arnold Classic, and those are believed to be the 10 humans on the earth, 10 strongest humans on the face of the earth at that moment. So, yes. So the Arnold Classic, which is more, right. it's the argument is which is more prestigious, the Arnold or the world's strongest man. So it's kind of like it, – it's hard to say. That – you know, that goes back to the conversation I had on the very first interview I did mm-hmm. um, with a Delta Force guy. Yep. Talking about Delta versus SEALs. Yep. And how it's it's an ongoing back and forth about which one is more prestigious. Yeah. But it, So I – that's it, – It's hard. Either way – Yes. You're one of the largest, strongest human beings on the face of the earth. So, Maybe that's so you can't even say the largest. You you can't. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because Rob, Rob Kearney was at the Arnold with me. Yeah, and he like I look tiny compared to some of those guys. Yeah, like I I had I mean Thor Thor Bjornsson was there that year the mountain. Yeah, and who nice one of the nicest guys I've ever met by the way. And I can remember my sponsor got a picture of he and I sitting next to each other. <laughs> I looked like a child. <laughs> <laughs> like I looked like a child, yeah. and that was that. You think you call me a big guy? You and people in town here do. I'm a lot of people. I'm going to be one of the biggest men they've ever seen. Yeah, but I'm going to tell but you, not. there yeah. there are monsters out there, and it is terrifying. Well, and it's it's always funny, you know, especially when I see you back when you used to bounce downtown. Mm-hmm. And I'd see some little chump trying to get into Jay's <laughs> and, you know, you had that other bouncer standing there at the door and then you'd walk around the corner and it's like they would just be like, they'd be like, ah, I'm getting out of here. I'm, I'm done. Oh, God. You know, and it, most of the time it worked that way, but every now and then, every now and then, not so, it's not so much. Yeah. Yeah. So how'd you get, how'd you get started in all this? It was on a whim. Completely, to be honest with you, um, I was actually a personal trainer at Gold's Gym when okay. I started. And How I long ago was that? Oh, geez. I think I'm going in my fifth year of Strongman now. Four, fourth or fifth year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, I had 
I, I, I had a guy or a group of guys come in, and we'd all known each other. We were kind of the strong guys in the gym. Yeah. And they were saying, hey, we're signing up for this contest. And I was looking for a competitive outlet. I had stopped powerlifting. I got bored with it. And it's like, do you, you want to try? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I looked at some of the events and found uh, found some of the equipment I could get my hands on. I was like, okay, sure, I'll try this out. And then one of the other people who worked at the gym knew my coach. And my coach was, would come in. He, he doesn't look like it. He's a civil engineer. But he would show up with his cut-off shirt, blue jeans, boots, covered, you know, ankle to, <laughs> ankle to knuckle and tattoos, bald head. Yeah. Would work out and go back to work. Yeah. So nobody really talked to him, but they pointed and said, hey, you know, that, that guy's an old pro. Like, he used to do this. So. We live in D.C. We're used to seeing that. Right? Like, he's like, hey, go go, <laughs> go talk to him. So he and I chatted up, and he gave me some pointers. Um, and then I went down to that contest, and I won. And it was kind of like, wow. And it was a small contest. Okay. So I, I thought I'd done something, and then I show up on, uh, at the gym on Monday. I'm working, I'm working, and he comes in on his lunch break to train. He's like, so how'd you do? I was like, I won. He's like, good. And then a couple days go by, and he walks up. And he's like, so do you want to do this for real? I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean do it for real? I just won. Like, I'm, I'm good at this. You got to get that chicken Rocky. That's, that's yeah, yeah. Like, that was, and that proceeded to be the next two years of the most difficult training of my life. Yeah. Like, that man put me through my paces. And even now, he's one of my best friends, and we laugh about it. And I, I look, I'm like, what, what were you thinking? He's like, I just wanted to see if I could break you. And, and obviously he didn't, or he did, no. whichever. I mean, there's <laughs> no. you gotta have something just a little bit wrong to be able to push oh, yourself yeah. so far beyond. Yeah, it's there's there's something wrong with all of us. Yeah, like like it is. It's it's really in the guys that there isn't something screwed up with. They don't <laughs> hang around. What I'm what I'm finding as I've started this podcast mm-hmm. and started having these really fascinating conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Is anybody that attains anything mm-hmm. has something screwed up? Yes. I mean, if for them to go through whatever hell it was, mm-hmm. something has to be just a little bit loose, just a little bit out there. <laughs> you know, I, I, my, my dad put it the best because growing up, I was always, he said I was a glutton for punishment. Yeah. He's like, anything you did, son. He's, and he, I, I, when he and my parents split, I went to live with him. That's when he and I really got to know each other. And he was recon- one of the first graduating class from reconnaissance schools in the Marine Corps. Okay. So my dad was he was he was the badass of the badass. He really was. Yeah. And I think that's something I just inherited from him. Like I've always wondered, like, okay, like what 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 can break me? Yeah. Like not not like bones or like you know things tear off the bone. Like that sh- that shit heals. You can get that fixed. Yeah. But like what's gonna shut me down? And my dad calls it a I think he calls it a Superman complex. Yeah. He's like you're still looking for what that is. I, you know, I can see that. So we've got a four-year-old mm-hmm. that, um, not to go into a ton of detail, yeah, but he is um, autism spectrum. Okay. And ADHD. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the most loving kids on the face of the earth. Yep. Also one of the most hard-headed. Uh-huh. Um, you cannot, if he decides... I'm going to do this. You can try to shackle him. He'll break the shackles. You can try to hold him down. He will fight you tooth and nail. And at four years old, he's 70 plus pounds. Yeah. So. What's really coming? I'm, I'm scared. Well, it's, it's, it's <laughs> funny you mentioned the spectrum because there's, there's, there are two brothers out there that compete, the Stoltman brothers. Yeah. And Luke Stoltman was always kind of in the scene. 
he was he's okay. a, they're from the UK. Well, his younger brother Tom, who's taller, much more athletically gifted, was kicked out of school. He had various learning disabilities. I believe they said he was on the spectrum, not severe, still functional, but yeah. definitely on the spectrum still. And now he currently holds the world record in the heaviest Atlas stone ever lifted at like six hundred pounds. And see, that's that's the kind of thing that I could see my boy doing. It's just it's it's that we we say those words and a lot of people say the word like on the spectrum or autism or learning disability and we use it as a weakness and it's like no like he no. just like he has the ability to make decisions well and just what at a I've, different level so he was just recently diagnosed mm-hmm. i mean we're going on i think 3 months now mm-hmm. since his diagnosis um and you know we're in 2020 this is not a normal year. No. It took us a year and a half to get it to get a doctor to look at it yep. and say this is something else. Yeah. Cuz we had I mean we had specialists. We went down to to UVA. Mm-hmm. And we had specialists basically look at look at us and say read a parenting book and we're going this is something else. Yeah. It it took my wife and I sitting on a Zoom meeting one day with a therapist that watched one of his explosions behind Mm -hmm. us to go i've seen that before yeah and as i've once we got through the process got him truly assessed and diagnosed Mm -hmm. um i have spent the last three months learning yeah and you know i'll spend the rest of my life learning about it Mm -hmm. but the more i learn about it the more i learn that it's not a disability. Mm-hmm. It's a difference in the way they, they their brain thinks. Their That's brain it. thinks, and the the delicate part of that is with his stubbornness, his hard headedness, mm-hmm. and his internal fight. I don't want to extinguish that flame. No, because he is one of the straight up smartest kids I've ever seen in my life. Yes, and you know. Hearing something like that's great for me mm-hmm. because the last thing my wife and I ever want to do is allow him to play the victim. No, don't, don't give him that. The kid's got – his greatest weapon is what people are going to try and use against him for the rest of his life. Oh, absolutely. And that just is. And I, I don't I, I, I don't know what it's going to be like for school for him, but I, I sucked at school. I didn't like it. It wasn't – Some of it may have been lack of application, but it's there were days like I just. Well, I think that's with all of us. (laughs) You just I didn't. That wasn't for me. That wasn't like I had to find something. It 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 doesn't make sense that I had issues with algebra one and two, but I can focus in so hard to accomplish what I've done now. Yeah. Like if I could apply this elsewhere, which I'm sure I could at, at one given time, but brains think differently. They do. They do. And it's it's important that he knows that. His well, and in high school, I mean, I sucked in English. Yeah. I Every year, I just sucked at it. Yep. Got into college and started writing business papers and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I got very, very good at taking a lot of information, correlating it, and then putting it in word form. Yep. To the point where people would look at it and go, why aren't you an English major? And I'm going, because I suck at English. And they're going, no, no, you don't. And I'm like, (laughs) so it it takes that not only how to do the function, Mm -hmm. but it takes you having that little kernel of interest in the application of the function. Yes. Does that make, I mean, 
No, you're, you're, you're very right. I mean, anybody, certain, some people out there can focus on anything they decide to. Yeah. Usually your academics, they can, I have to focus on algebra. I have to focus on English. I have to focus on chemistry, but they never have that absolute dire need kind of focus that somebody who can only focus on one thing does. Yeah. And that is, you know, and that's, that's something that, again, it was, I was, it was, I don't want I want to say it was looked at as a weakness for me growing up. Like, yeah. Like I started lifting weights and I was obsessed with the gym when I was like, I want to say I was like 16. I'd stop playing football. And that's when I started picking up weights. Oh, geez. And I got, 16. yeah, I got made in fun of for it. Like you're going to turn into a dumbbell. I was like, okay, yeah, but now I'm <laughs> 17 years old, built like a grown man. Yeah. Like I graduated high school at 260 pounds with a six pack. Jeez. I was like, yeah, like, okay. I, I was five, two and about a hundred pounds when I got my license. Oh, geez. Yeah. How tall my, are you now? Six foot. Okay. I thought you were a little taller than six, six foot. Six, six, one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Probably closer to six, one, yeah. but you know, whatever. Yeah. Once you're six foot, you're normal. Any, yeah. Anything below that, and you're just you're you're not normal. We it's, it's heightism. I might as well be five two and strong man. <laughs> like the average is six four. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um. So you started at sixteen. Yep. And you started powerlifting. Yeah, I started. So I ended up having my final foot surgery when I was sixteen, and the doctor told me that after that bone fusion, there was no more football. It was gone. I was like, okay, well, I got to find something, and I started lifting weights, started doing some reading, some studying. And then my football coach was like, well, you should, my old football coach said, you should try powerlifting, give it a shot. And okay. I was, I was lucky enough that some older guys at the gym, um, who really are not totally responsible for where I am now, but they were the ones that gave me the push and told me like, if you want to do this, you can be great. Yeah. And they kind of showed me the ropes. And then, um, I started competing in powerlifting. I did that till I was, I want to say till I was 18. Okay. And then I just got bored. Powerlifting is bench squat and deadlift and. Yeah, there I wasn't I was I was nobody in my age division. I was shattering world records in the organization from age division. It wasn't a contest for me. I was comparing myself against the grown men who were three age divisions up. And I was like, OK, those are the guys I want to beat. But I'm, they're not in my age class. Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, once that happened, I was like, OK, this is boring. Like, I need something more exciting. So how did that transition? I oh. mean, what happened there from 18 till? So you said you started Strongman here four or five years ago? Yes, yeah, so I, I was like 22, 23. Okay. I was like 22 or 23. It wasn't that much. It wasn't that long after my daughter was born. Okay. Um, so, no, actually, I did my second competition when I was still dating Caroline. Okay. Actually, yeah, I did my second competition then. So, it was yeah, – Yeah, that's right. That's how we met. That is exactly how we <laughs> met. <laughs> Over at Sunken Well. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. But, um, no, it was uh, just – I was kind of tooling around, powerlifting got old, and then I started working as a personal trainer. And then a couple years later, I was something was missing. Like I, I was, I was a new dad, and my life wasn't a disarray, but I was, I was struggling, and I was mentally, I was struggling. Like I'm, I'm meant for more than this. I need something. I've been an athlete my whole life up to this point. Yeah. And then I was lucky enough. I want to say it was jo uh, Jordan Pepper, yeah, um, who came in. He's a, he's another local. Okay. He's actually pretty strong himself, and he walked in. He's like, "Hey, we're, we're doing this. What do, what do you think?" It's like, "All right, I'll try all it right. out. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's see how this goes." And then it was off to the races. Yeah, I, I came in. I, I won that contest. Um, I wasn't supposed to. I, nobody knew who I was. And then I came in. I won. And then some some people were blowing some smoke up my ass. Like, "This is your first one." I'm like, "Yeah, it's like, you did really well. You did good." And then I was kind of looking around. And I was like, yeah, he's, you know, there's nobody like super strong here. Like I thought I was going to do. I thought I thought I was going to do better. I wasn't happy with myself. Yeah. And then 
I walked into the gym and my coach, who wasn't my coach then, but became my coach, looked at me and said, you want to do this for real? And I said, yes. And he it was kind of off to the races. We, uh, we had a plan. He said, you're going to do this contest because I know this promoter and you're going to win. Okay. Well, I went and won that contest. It's like, all right. And then he's like, okay, now we're going to test you. We're going to go take you to a really big contest and see how you do. And I got my ass kicked. Okay, good. cool. cool. No, that's what he said. He's I like, mean, truly, that's that's good. Yeah, he's like, okay, now we're going to go train. We're going to do this contest. And if you win, we're going to go here. Okay, I took second. He's like, which was a big jump. And he's like, hey, you took something. I'm like, no, but I wanted to win. And then he's like, okay, well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this qualifier for this online, and then we're going to do this big contest. will be your first international. How do you balance that mentality, especially at your level, uh, between coming in second and winning? Mm-hmm. How how does that balance work with you? Because so, I know, I mean, I spent 15 years in the music industry, and yep. a lot of the guys that I worked with were at the top. Mm-hmm. But the thing about the music industry is you don't have a single, yeah, I guess you could say a single person for record sales or for awards or for this or for that. Yeah. But there's it's not one of those hierarchical, okay, you are the best musician. Yes, because you ask the next guy and it's something else. You, I mean, there's very few competitions. Mm-hmm. How do you balance that? You, so I'm, I'm different. My head works differently. Um, I, I do this for me. Okay. Like I, I want to win. Winning is the goal. Yeah. But if I go through a contest and I don't screw up, I don't make any, any mistakes. I, I do well. I train hard for it. I go in. I was like, God, that's all I had that day. I've got nothing left, and that guy still beat me. Okay, well, I'm so. I mean, at that point, I'm not mad at myself. Then it's a win. Then it, for me, it's like, yeah, you know what? Like, cool. That guy's got a target on his back. With the way my head works, I wouldn't want to be him. Because yeah. that's like you. Because you, now you're gonna beat him. Yeah. Now I'm hungry. Just, maybe not today, but you're gonna beat him. Exactly. Like you. You should know what's coming up behind you now. Like I've got something to stay focused on. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and but that's so for me taking second. If I earn second place, I took second. Hey, that's what I took. Cool. Like I mean, yeah. it's like I mean, I, I I shit the bed on arguably the biggest stage in all of Strongman at the Arnold Classic, but I was injured. Yeah. Like I, I was, but I look back and I'll say, okay, well, I, I beat JF Crone with the in the the Sear Dumbbell event. Well, that was the first time I ever touched that implement. And yeah. J, JF has one in his gym. Okay, I beat him. He's a big dog. Oh, I out deadlifted Jerry Pritchett. Okay, well, Jerry Pritchett's one of the best American deadlifters to ever live. Okay, cool. All right, well, I beat this guy in this event. Okay, well, he's really good at that. So you have to learn how to dial that in. Yeah. Like, you, you have to be that way. You still stay hungry, but you have to be able to judge your progression not based off where you placed on the podium. Well, and I can see that, like, if you're not doing that, mm-hmm. I can see how you could immediately be dissatisfied and totally put out if you lose one competition. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why turnover occurs in a lot of competitive mm-hmm. endeavors. Yes. It, it, it's rough. And it's there's only one contest I can look back on and go, damn, like I I could have I could have done better there. And that was at the World Strongest Man qualifying event I did where I missed the podium by half a point. Yeah. Because I had been dominant the entire day. My uh, one of my good friends, Evan Singleton, was in first. I was in second the entire day. I was in second going into the last event. It was me and him. Like the announcer even said, it was uh, it was broadcast over in the UK. And the announcer even said, he's like, yeah, he's like these guys have been first and second all day. These are pretty much who you're looking at. Like, <laughs> barring a major screw up, this is who's going to Worlds. And then yeah, major screw up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's gonna happen though. That's oh, it. You gotta have 
you got to know that going in that every once in a while something happens. So you beat yourself up. Oh, yeah. But it's like it's like this. You're back in it. Yes. And, yes. And you're in it to win it. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like – where do you feel like your performance is right now? So that, that's – I believe I'm – so when – the way Worlds works is that it goes from, like, 30 athletes through the heat to 10 in the finals. And your goal is to get to the finals. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a finals competitor. Looking at the guys that are coming in, um, like Brian Shaw, for instance, who's America's Huge. greatest gift, yeah. a strong man. Um, anything can happen. I can have my day. But I want to make the finals this year. I don't want to come out and set – I set high goals for myself, but I'm realistic. Yeah. Um, I think that I have the ability to win the World's Strongest Man 100%. Do I think I'll have the ability just yet? I, you know, I'm, I'm a rookie pro. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, I'm, still, I'm still earning my ropes. You know? Yeah, you so you just got your pro card. So like, I won I won my pro card in 2019 at the Amateur World Championships, okay. which was at which was at the Arnold. Yeah. Um that was but that was kind of the end goal for my coach and I. The pro card was the pro card a pro card in the states is kind of like a death sentence <laughs> because there's one or two pro competitions every year in America. Yeah. versus like other countries where they don't have pro cards. It's just like, hey, like you want to come do this? You good? Yeah, come do it. Like, okay, you want to do this? Oh, yeah, I got come, you. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like, and they have a lot more. The country, here we have WWE. Like, in the UK, they have strongman. Yeah. Like, it's just it's just very, very different. So, getting a pro card in the States means that you can't really compete unless you can afford to go out of country to these contests, which some of the big ones pay for you to come. But every now and then, there's, you know, if you're just, hey, can I come to this? Yeah, but you're not really that big of an athlete, so you got to pay your own way. Okay, well, you're going to pay $1,400 for a flight to Africa. Yeah. And that's not including your food. And then <laughs> the money it takes to get prepped for the contest and if the hotel's covered. and So it's not just the pro card. You really need the sponsorship. Yes, you need the sponsorship. But just as well with winning the Arnold Amateur, this is kind of where I got you, you think COVID screwed you. <laughs> Hold up, buddy. <laughs> so with the Arnold Amateur win – that gets you an invite to the Arnold Classic, which is the big stage. Okay. So that's how I got that invite. But with that, also, they have something called the Arnold Pro Series, which you have, which is how you qualify for the Arnold Classic other than winning the Arnold Amateur. Okay. So the Arnold, there are no special invites. You either athletically qualify or you don't. Or you don't. It's totally yeah. organic based on ability. Okay. But those they have one on every major continent. Gotcha. So you win Arnold Amateur. All, the trip the next, all those trips next year are completely paid for. So I should have already gone to Australia, Europe, South Africa, Spain, but then COVID. <laughs> so right now, um, I'm lucky, and I've got some people on the inside that are trying to help me. They're trying to figure out how they're going to afford to send me on any of those trips when they come back around for next year, along with the new world champion who won in 2020. So, so there's a chance you could be... There's a Theoretically, chance. next year could be hard and heavy for you. Yes, they're 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 trying. They're trying to make it work for all of us. They're trying to do their best. Um, Dion Wessels, who, who runs Strongman Corporation, who you've got USS and then Strongman Corporation. Those are the two like strongman agencies in America. Okay. So Dion is she's she's a big help. We all call. It, I mean, she's she, she's a scary woman, but yeah. she she she's like mom to all of us. And she, she would have to be to deal with you guys. Oh, dude, like it's it's amazing. <laughs> You've never seen a four hundred pound, six foot six man sit down and go, "Yes, ma'am," when this like five foot five, five foot six black woman screams at him. Yeah, you sit your yeah. ass down, you listen. Yeah, like it's she. Wow, she she rips us into shape real fast. 
but she's also down in the trenches fighting with promoters like hey like so she's got it but she's actually working for you yes i mean 100%. it's not it's not one of those things where she's on her high horse and you're performing for her she truly is she in the trenches with you she is and she, that's good well she treats it like a business good like if she sees like okay that that kid's got potential like he's got it she's yeah. gonna get down on her knees and she's gonna fight for you but if you're just kind of dicking around not doing anything then what good are you to her what good yeah yeah that's she's running a business it's a corporation strongman corporation that's what it is yeah so so this one's taking you to florida yes um november 7th yep what's next i mean what is there anything else on the horizon already? So or? I'll be in Kentucky in at the end of January. Okay. Um, there's a show in Mammoth, Kentucky. Uh, you okay. didn't, didn't even know that was a place, did you? No. I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> My buddy David Waters is running that one. Um, so there's a bunch of us going to that. He's probably going to have the best pro show in America that's happened in a long time. Okay. Just because of all of us he's reaching out to. Um, he's helping a lot of us get down there. He's taking care of us. He's offering prize money. So it's he's oh, that's cool. he, yeah he's pulling out all the stops, so um, that I'll do that and then after that I'll just have to see what comes around. I mean, we don't know what they're doing with the Arnold Classic next year because only one person's qualified and that person's <laughs> retired. Oh, Thor Bjornsson retired. Oh, he did. Yep, he's retired. Wow. So nobody's qualified for the Arnold Classic next year. So we don't know if they're just going to bring all of us back plus the amateur world champion. Or if they're just going to try and cram a whole bunch of qualifiers in and <laughs> <laughs> and see what happens. Welcome to Strongman. Wow. Yeah. COVID really messed things up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> COVID screwed things up something awful. I, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm having a hard time process processing the extent of the damage with COVID. Yes. Both from an economic standpoint as well as what the actual numbers are because yeah. everything is so wishy-washy and you hear one number and then you hear another, but you can't correlate the two. I, you know, I'm a numbers guy. That's, yeah. I've spent years as a numbers guy. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a facts guy too. Like I like the yes and the no's and I like, I give me a chart. Let me see where this is. Yeah. But I have a pretty firm opinion on it and I think it's majority political bullshit. Well, and that's the, that's the conclusion that I keep coming to. Yep. I, I keep saying no. It's gotta. There's got to be some basis. But um, you know, I was sitting there the other day, and I'm reading just statistics after statistics, and you know, I'm reading these articles yeah. where they're trying to they're trying to lay something out and illustrate it mm -hmm. using three or four different statistics. But then I'm looking at them, going, none of this matches. Like, None of this correlates. I think there is something to it. I, I do think a new virus presented itself. Oh, absolutely. I think they went, oh, shit, we don't know what this is, so we're going to do X, Y, and Z. But I think, no they doubt. I think they should have said, hey, guys, we don't know what this is, so we're going to try and do this, this, and this to make sure we can figure out what it is before it goes bad. Cool. I'll throw my mask on. 100%. I back that yeah. up. But don't try and play me and say somebody got bitten by a shark and died of COVID. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's that's where yeah, the stuff right. breaks down and yeah. got hit by a bus and died of COVID. Well, especially when they find that they're, I mean, they're, they they found uh, because it's it's COVID nineteen is what they're calling it, but it's a coronavirus. The coronavirus has been around for years. Yes, please do pass more of that. All right, um, we're gonna hand you off some uh, Woodford Reserve. Oh, this is an old favorite. Oh yeah. Yes. 
But, I mean, the coronaviruses have been around for years, and the corona is the family name, coronavirus. Yeah. But they've also found similar genetic material from the coronavirus attached to the common cold. Yeah. So you could literally have the common cold and be testing positive for corona. Well, and you look at the numbers for the death rates in America. Yes. Over the last three, four years. Yeah. And this year, 2017 was uh, about 10,000 less than they're projecting this year to be. Yep. But the last two years have been... 20 to 30,000 more people than they're projecting this year to be. Yes. So I find it hard to believe that there's 200,000 deaths that are completely attributed to Corona. Yes. That means that we would really have otherwise been way under. Exactly. And that just, that, that number doesn't fit for me. No, it it doesn't. It it doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. And we're not, I, 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 I have I have several opinions on this, and I'm not terribly educated on the topic, but I, I have people in my family who are high risk, one being my father. He's almost 60 years old. Yeah. And he even said, he's like, I don't understand why they're shutting down the economy to protect a small portion of the population who's almost done contributing to said economy anyways. Yeah. Like, and that's what, and that was harsh for me to hear about my own father, but I, I agree. He's like, you want me to stay home? Okay, give me the means to quarantine myself and protect myself. I'll stay home, but don't ruin my retirement and Social Security because. Yeah, well, and my, so my mom had surgery right before the shutdown. Like a week before the shutdown. Wow. And because of that, the, the time that it's taken her to be able to get herself better, begin to feel better. Mm -hmm. um, She can't get the same care that she would normally be able to get. And. It's not because the doctors aren't available. It's because of the shutdowns. Yes. I mean, the the hospital will literally be empty. Yep. And the whole point of a hospital is to fix sick people. Yes. Yes, it is. It, it's in that. And I, I saw the argument being presented that, that, again, that is the point of a hospital. But the point of a hospital is not to quarantine people. Which seemed to be what, oh, absolutely. That seemed to be what they were trying to do with sick people that were coming in. Which, again, I don't know. I'm not terribly educated, but common sense would dictate. I was like, if that's not what the hospital is meant for, then why are you trying to do that? Yeah. Like, and and it didn't make sense that their first option where they was they were sticking people on ventilators. Which I don't know how familiar you are with how that process works, but it actually you have you have sacs inside your lungs, little little fluid sacs, right? That's what becomes yeah. infected when you have bronchitis. That's why you can't breathe very well. Well, those fluid sacs do not regenerate. No. Once they're damaged, they are damaged. And a ventilator screws all of those up. It cuts them up. It develops scar tissue. So even if you come off a ventilator, chances are you're going to die of complications shortly after. Well, and that's what they were finding. Yeah. It, I mean, they were – that's but, why they quit using them so rapidly. Yes. They f- what, what I read was that the um, – what we've been hearing as ventilators for the last few months mm-hmm. aren't actually ventilators. It's more basically a CPAP or a BiPAP. Um, so what a CPAP, you know how a CPAP I, works. I have an APAP, yeah. Yeah, you have an APAP. Uh-huh. I've got a BiPAP. Yeah. Um, but that does that only without the pressure of intubation and the ventilation oh, pressures. Yeah. So it, it allowed your lungs to not be completely destroyed. Yes, um, so in some cases, from what I read, that helped, mm-hmm. but it was never proven 
factual. Either way. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where I still don't think we know what the hell we're dealing with. Oh, we don't have a clue. And we, we they, they want to issue these um, vaccines and stuff. And I'm going, why Why would you do a vaccine when you can't even tell me how it spreads? A- exactly. And that's if they just came out and said, I don't know what this is. We don't know, but we're trying to figure it out. But we're worried it may be X, Y and Z. I'm in. I'm game. OK, what do you want me to do? Yeah. You've admitted at that point that you're still trying to figure this out. 100 percent. Yeah. I don't need an answer, but don't bullshit me. Yeah. Like, don't. It's a tough well, in the mask thing, I, I throw a mask on. Yeah. I have no problem wearing a mask when I'm in a store. If it makes people around me feel better, yeah. I'm all for it. Well, I just don't want – I've always – I mean, my, my coach and I were discussing this because he's anti-mask, anti-corona, like, big time. Like, I have those people in my life. Well, and I don't – and he and he brings up a lot of valid points. Very intelligent man. But my thing is, and I explained it to him, is that I don't think that little cashier at Wawa making 10 or 12 bucks an hour – it gets paid to confront somebody who looks like I do about putting a mask on. Yeah. Like I don't, I wouldn't want to do that. And uh, like, so I'm not going to put somebody in that position. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to, like, yeah. it's not, it's just easier to toss it on, do your thing. Yeah. And when you walk out of the store, you pull it off and go about your business. Exactly. It sucks when I can't find one, but it just cover your face <laughs> with something like. Usually that means my wife has stolen it and <laughs> she's got three of them in her car and I have none in my truck. Yes. Not that that's ever happened this yeah, week. No, no, that's no. She would never do it. She's a sweet woman. I, I've met her. She would never yeah, do that to you. She, she, it hasn't <laughs> she, happened this She week. is a wonderful woman who I'm, would never do such things. She is a wonderful <laughs> <No>. woman. <laughs> I love you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there's just there's a lot of uncertainty still. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we were talking last week. I was um, talking with Kevin Poole, mm-hmm. who is a friend of mine from the live music industry. I yeah. mean, we've known each other for years. We've been on a lot of different gigs um, in separate separate worlds. Yeah. And that industry is completely flatlined. Yep. And there's tours that are saying that they're not relaunching till mid to late 2021. Yep. And, you know, that's devastating to people. It is. You guys with Strongman, I'm glad to hear they're actually holding competitions. They're, they're, that's that's yeah. a big deal. It, it is. But at the same time, it's not the same. Like, they're not allowing no. any spectators at Worlds. Yeah, they're not. I mean, like you can't bring a lot of the guys will bring their own that have the financial support, bring their own like therapist with them and things like massage therapists, special personnel. Yeah. My coach comes with me everywhere. Yeah. Um, other than if it's internet, if it's outside the country, he usually can't make it happen. But he like he we, he and I were talking about it. he's like, could I sneak in? I'm like, there's no way like <laughs> they have not told us where we're competing. We know the state and the, and the little city. Yeah. But we don't know where we don't know what hotel we're staying in. Like, they are keeping this hush-hush so they can develop that bubble. Gotcha. Like, they don't want anybody coming in that doesn't, which is which is hard. Like, it is. Well, that's, I mean, I was listening to uh, Rogan talk about the UFC fights. Uh-huh. And he was talking about how different it was. Yep. Because whereas normally you've got the crowd screaming and that kind of stuff, now you hear every blow. You hear the coach, like, coaching through moves. and. Yep. Duck, go left, go right. Um, you can hear the crunch as people get hit. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be the same way for you guys. I mean, all of a sudden, you're going to be in this gym or wherever you happen to be, mm-hmm. and you're going to be able to hear every breath. Yep. Which it'll – I don't think that's going to affect – that doesn't personally affect me. 
Um, I don't. I do. I do a lot of really, really, really fucked up stuff in my head when I'm competing, anyways. Well, yeah. So like, I can't hear. I can't hear anybody. Like the crowd doesn't matter to me. I don't see anything. I don't hear anybody. But yeah. there are some athletes that it'll it'll play an effect for. It'll play an effect. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see what effect it plays with the top dogs. Yeah. With the guys that are thought of as like the upper echelon. It'll be interesting to see how they cope with the non-crowd. Uh, honestly, Brian Shaw will be perfectly fine. He trains. He trains. He's got one guy he trains with, I think, fairly frequently. Yeah. But it, the, he's a significantly smaller guy. Brian Shaw trains by himself, which is weird. Normally in strongman, you have a group of five or six guys that help you. Yeah. But he trains by himself. Uh, Mateusz Kieliszkowski, who is a terrifying individual, they call him <laughs> the Terminator, and dear God, it is. He he's he's from Poland and there's snow on the ground like uh, six months out, out of the year. Guys. Like he's a nice dude, but just there he. So he trained. We were <laughs> we had this thing called the Wheel of Pain, um at the at the Arnold at the Arnold Classic, which is big like Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, the grain spin thing. Yeah, it was designed okay. after that. It's okay. exact an exact replica, and gotcha. we have to spin it for as far as we can in a time period. Well, he trained outside when it was like. 10 degrees pushing a truck <laughs> and then one of the best events he set a world record in was his frame carry which we had to carry a, a, a 400 kilo which is 880 pound frame up up a ramp for 35 feet well he carried that faster than anybody could sprint out of all of us yeah and we asked and i we asked him afterwards like what, what are you doing dude like how that's freakish like that <laughs> is scary he's like well, i train outside okay in the snow okay uphill <laughs> on grass and we're just staring at him like you do what and then you watch his youtube videos he trains in a little woodshed that the only way he keeps it warm and keeps his keeps ice from forming on everything is he has a wood stove that's about the size of your of your apple laptop right here <laughs> like and that's yeah he, he is just he is something <laughs> we were talking earlier about something's wrong yeah yeah he probably maybe a little frostbite what? in the brain I I don't want to say that. I just think it's it's I, I it's Poland. It has to be. Yeah. He's from a small town like Well, I mean, that's that's Viking territory. Yeah. No, like it's it's And you know, they that whole part of the world is Viking territory. Yeah. And that's how they were bred and uh -huh. that's you know. So he is Even now there's still scary dudes yeah and, he, and he's nice he he's he's very quiet very stoic he he smiles sometimes but yeah sometimes smile usually if he sees ice cream the man <laughs> the man's got a sweet tooth like no other sees ice cream he smiles sounds like my son well yeah but he's like six he's probably like six five six six like he's maybe 330 pounds really lean stone cut jaw bald head like yeah it's 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 he looks intimidating and then you see him move and it's like i swear he runs faster with an 880 pound frame than any in shape man can sprint that that's insane and then you find he trains outside in the winter in the snow on a grass hill yeah <laughs> and you go oh <laughs> that makes sense now go. <laughs> so no you're right like and the more you think about it there is something wrong with all of us I mean, wouldn't have it any other way. No, no, <laughs> no. Like, it's everybody talks about wanting to do strongman, and it's like, okay, well, yeah, go do it. It's fun. You know what I want to do? Huh. I want to be the guy that does the cookout 
<laughs> and just puts a couple of bottles of bourbon out after the strong man <laughs> and just sits back and goes, this is going to be fun. fun. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Man, it's it's hard to explain. Some contests, like, we all cut back, have fun. It's jovial. We're laughing, having a blast. And then sometimes we all just kind of go our separate directions at the end of the night. And you definitely have some guys that are tighter knit to each other. But yeah. We, we all have fun. I'm hoping that this one, for for everybody's sake that's there, yeah. I'm hoping that this one is one where the camaraderie comes through. I, I think it will. Um, because I, there's nobody else. So, mm-hmm. you know, you got to you gotta put each other there. And I, I think it will. I mean, I have, like I said, I'm, I'm making my rookie debut with Evan Singleton, which is a buddy of mine. Um, it sounds like it's healthy competition. Yes. You know, it's it, – you go out to eat with the guys that you fight with. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, That's great. Yeah, we're all cheering each other. We all want to win. Don't get yeah. that twisted. Oh, yeah, but there's, absolutely. there's very few of us that just don't like each other. Yeah. Like, it just it doesn't it doesn't happen very often that that's the case. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, it's where you, you put those guys, you know that guy standing next to you is one of the only people in the world that knows exactly what you just had to go through. Yeah. And it's like, it's such a small talent pool at that level. That it that just brings you together. Like you see that guy, you're like, okay, that guy gets it. Yeah, that guy understands. Well, and that's when you can really get into the mind of each other. Oh yeah, and understand. Okay, this is where you're coming from. This is what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. and and you know from across the room whether a guy's having a good day or not before he ever does his first lift. Oh yeah, you know, just by the way the the structure is, by the way they're standing there, by the way the look on their face. Yep. Well, and it's 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 kind of cool because you you put so you've got like uh so you, you've got myself and then you've got guys like Rafael Gu- uh Gu- he's gonna be pissed at me if I mess up his last name he's German Rafael Guazola or Gordon Zola Gordon Zola um, yeah right so he's yeah. we he and I we met in I Canada. won't tell him you named him a cheese <laughs> Matt you want to talk about it? so he and I we met in Canada okay and that was my first uh, that was my second international competition right after Arnold and that was the Arnold Canada and I did that right after Lithuania in 2019. Okay. So, okay. So we get there and it's a big step up. The Arnold Canada is the hardest Ar- is one of the hardest Arnold's next to the actual Arnold classic because it's eight events. That's not strongman's five or six events. Usually this one is eight. It's four events a day. Oh, wow. Yes. So you're doing all eight. It's not, yeah, it's not you prep for six and you do five. No, that's, it's, that's world strongman only. You like, do, Eight and you do eight, and I mean these Canadians like that's it's down here. If you do six contests a year, damn, that's a lot, man. The Canadians yeah. are doing like thirty, some of them more. And <laughs> they it's, got nothing else to do, dude. It's 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 brutal. I don't know how, but so we get there, and I hadn't met him before. I was like, okay, so he gone to, he gone to Worlds once or twice, and then after he was disappointed in himself with how he did, so he wasn't talking when we all went out to dinner. But the next day, we're all hanging in the hotel because we're waiting to go get on, go back. We're driving to Montreal to get on our planes and go home to our various countries. Yeah. So we're sitting there waiting. We're having breakfast, and we're in a completely French-speaking, uh, not county. Fuck, what do they have in Canada? Not cities. Damn it. Well, I mean, you've got the territories, province, and province. then you've got the province. Province. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was a completely French-speaking province okay. called, called Warwick. So it's – he's Outside there – in Ontario? Uh, no, it's about two hours, uh, two hours outside of Montreal, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I got you. So we're we're there, and we're sitting there, and he he sees me, and I see him, and he comes over, and he sits down, and he's like, "Can I sit?" I'm like, "Yeah." Like everybody else is gone, pretty much. Yeah. 
So we're chatting it up, and he's starting to kind of break loose a little bit. And then I find out he's a fucking defense attorney. <laughs> Raphael is, again, six foot six, 340 pounds, cut like a brick shit house. And I'm and Mr. Clean, bald head and beard. And I was like, so when the judge stands up and says your client's guilty, you ask him if he's sure. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yes. <laughs> You've seen Ocean's 12, Ocean's 11, Ocean's 12, those, yes. those movies. Mm-hmm. You know the skinhead dude that uh, goes into the jail as the defense attorney? Yeah. I'm saying that in quotes. Yeah. That's what I'm picturing. He, like, <laughs> he's just, he was in, the, like, that day he broke loose in the lab, but. I could just see him still like if, if I want him as my lawyer. Yeah. Like you're guilty. Are you sure your honor? <laughs> like it's so it's, but point being, you take guys like that, you take guys like myself and then you take high school teachers. Like that, that's literally, you have government contractors like myself, you have lawyers, you have high school teachers, you have doctors, you have guys that are maybe they're working at Walmart and you put us all in the same place and we are equal. Yeah, like there, and there's a camaraderie. Economic standard does not matter at that point, and there's just n- not anywhere else you can really do that. No, like it's you, it's very unusual. It is, it is, and it's and none of us care. Like once we're there, like you're there to compete. We're shooting the shit. We're having a blast. Guys who you normally, if you stuck in a cage with another man, would eat them alive. Yeah, no, doesn't matter. I mean, it's it's not. It's just not something you see very often. I mean, well, and that's that's the nice part about – I see that in some sports. Yeah. But it, even in sports, it's rare. Yes. There's always this little bit of nepotism, mm-hmm. this little bit of arrogance that has nothing to do with the sport many times. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to hear from the strongman side of things that's not prevalent. It's You've got your assholes everywhere. But, well, for, yeah. but for the most part, especially like, oh, it's, I primarily saw it at the amateur level. A lot of guys walking around, their chest poked out, and, oh, I've done this, and my coach is this person. But once you cross in and you're actually competing at the pro level, no. It's, that, I mean, what you're saying there is very reminiscent of the different tiers music industry-wise. Yeah. Because you've got the guys that are weekend warriors. They're doing the tour here and there, you know. Mm-hmm. They they booked a tour to Ukraine, so they're the they're the top shit. Yeah, their shit don't stink. And um, then you've got the guys that have been doing it 30, 40 years. Yeah, you know when I when I dealt with um, Charlie Daniels mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, um, and I don't like to name drop on a lot of those guys, but I will on him because yeah. you get to know his crew. Mm-hmm. They had been with him thirty plus years. Yep. And those guys just it was it was a day at work. Yeah. And it was wonderful to spend the day working through stuff with them and just understanding, hey, it's this is normal life for us. Yep. And and there's not that arrogance. There's not it it's we have a job to do. Our job is to entertain people. Yeah. And so we're gonna have fun doing it because if not, why aren't we doing something else? Exactly. Well, and ultimately, I think it comes down to a sense of confidence. Yeah. it's And that's what I think. That's I think that's the big change because most people get into strength sports because they've got something to prove. Like, that's yeah. usually what happens, especially in, like, a, a hyper-testosterone-driven environment, like strongman. Yeah. Like, we've all got something to prove, or I want to do this, I want to do that, oh, I'm bruja, I'm tough, I'm not. Once that confidence is already instilled in somebody, like, they flatten out. 
Like yeah. you, you become more mellow. It's like, you may not be as relaxed, maybe an intense person, but there's no need. Like I don't go as an amateur. I want to tell everybody I was competing with strongman. Yeah. Like I don't like, I wanted to let everybody, Oh yeah, I'm doing this. I'm, I just dealt with the 800 pounds for the first time. It's that and the other, but now it's not even, I don't, I prefer not to bring it up. Like I just don't like it's, yeah, it's, it's what I do. It's who I am. Like, that's fine. I have no need to tell the world though. Yeah. Now question mm-hmm. with, with strongman. Yeah. Um, do what's the competition as far as Olympics? Is there an it, Olympic equivalent? Is there anything? I'm, I'm just curious. Cause I don't know. So you've got good question. So it's hard to answer. It, it's really based on your opinion. It kind of goes back. We were discussing the Arnold classic versus world strongest man. Yeah. Well, now you've got someone stepping up called World Ultimate Strongman Dubai, <laughs> right? So Dubai, Dubai. That's happened two years Ooh. in a row, and that was I was I, something I was, should have supposed to have already gone to. Yeah. But COVID. Now, so <laughs> that dirty bitch. Yeah. Right. So the Arnold <laughs> and World Strongest Man are basically competitors, right? Okay. They're trying yeah. to like outdo the other constantly, back yeah. and forth, back and forth. Well, then you had World Ultimate Strongman step in, and they took the Arnold Classic and World's Strongest Man and made those two qualifying events for their contest. So they kind of, yeah, right? Um, like, <laughs> they. why does that not surprise me with Dubai? Yeah, they stepped in and were like, well, so Dubai was a great show. Like, I was, I was invited right after winning Amateur Worlds, but they were like, hey, you're a newbie. We're going to ask you to pay your way. I'm like, well, I'm. No. <laughs> and then, yeah. Yeah. And then after the, Ar- the Arnold Classic, the pro Arnold Classic became an official. Yeah. Is they were like, hey, like, you're qualified here. Let's do this. Stay on the map. Cool. COVID. Yeah. So we're still waiting on them. They were actually talking about doing, I don't know if they're going to do it, but it was being discussed. They were going to do like a, a strongman island. So similar to what Dana White did when he acquired the island for the fights. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they were talking about it. Oh. They were, they were talking about it. It was like they were going to fly us in with our coaches and plus one. and they're gonna Thousands of pounds of testosterone-driven anxiety. And put us all on an island and say go. And they were going to live stream it. <laughs> yeah. like That's an episode of Big Brother I don't want to see. Man, I, it's, it's easy. Like, we're, we're not. It could go one of two ways. It could either be you guys are all like, you know what? We're all here. Let's get drunk. Or it could be, all right, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and fight you because we're we're two ten point bucks. That would never happen. <laughs> never. That would no. never happen. Not well. Once. That's good. Like that. That is. I can promise you that would never happen. It's we we're all there to do a job. We're there to make money. We're there to pay our bills. And yeah. most of us are the equivalent of blue collar working boys. Yeah. Like it's we have families at home. Like we're not. It's kind of like I said. Once that confidence is there. We're not we're not in it to to fight each other. Like we want to beat each other. Yeah. And like we know in the back of our head, like okay, like I gotta switch this on. Like I, I gotta screw that dude up. Like this contest, but it's go time. I, yeah, it's, that's what it is. It's, it's go time. Like there's very seldom that any kind of true animosity. Now there may be guys you just don't like or don't get along with, and in which case you, you just leave them alone, stay away with them, show them a little respect when you got to, and yeah, that's it. But like it's not. It's not like the Ultimate Fighter, like you where they they have got the fight camps in the houses next to each other. Yeah, it's not like that at all. Okay, never is, man. Like, you get to know these guys, you get to like these guys, you get to hang out with them. Like, it's you get to shoot the shit, trade stories, laugh. 
Yeah. Like it's it's not. So it would it would be the first. All right. We're all here. We're going to go ahead and have fun. P- pretty much. Yeah. Like we don't I'm not going to say we don't get drunk during contest. Oh no, no, no. No, 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 no. no, no. I'm saying if you're locked on an island together. Oh yeah. For no. any length of time, somebody's going to go, "Hey guys, this is crazy, so let's, let's do some stupid let's, shit. Let's go fuck with locals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's pretty much what happens. I'm, I'm picturing a couple of you guys just walking up and starting to move cars. Just <laughs> <laughs> So they actually keep a pretty good lot, pretty good eye on us. Like, they – everywhere oh, I've I believe gone, like, like, especially like in Warwick, where the entire – like, even the cab drivers didn't speak English. Yeah. Like, that was – that they like even the cab drivers didn't speak English, so it's like we they didn't want us going anywhere without one of the promoters or like somebody to kind of chaperone. Like that was yeah. that that was that that was rough. Not not necessarily for your sake, but for everybody else's sake, so that you know. Well, just so we didn't get lost or like you didn't accidentally get lost start any trouble. Somebody yeah. wasn't trying to start trouble with you or exactly. Now, you never know. The natives could get restless. Yeah. Now, Lithuania, on the other hand, oh, they just cut three of us loose. And I, I could tell you that was – we got lost in Valenis, and there was probably about a four-hour period. So, in Lithuania, we competed, but we did seven events in one day over the course of four hours. Very fast show. Very fast show, right? Yeah. And that was my first time outside the country. It was being orchestrated by a man named Jonas Avikis. Okay. Big Z, who is the greatest of all time. He was one of my idols. Yeah. So he was the guy driving us around, showing us around. He's actually a politician back home. He's he is the strong man. Like yeah. that is he is the Michael Jordan. And he forever will be. So we get done competing. They were filming it for television out there. We, you know, shake hands, meet all the meet all the people. We're in the small town of Canal, which is about two hours outside of Linus, where it's like big bronze statues and castles and <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was it was fantastic. And then we get back to the... I feel like the Iron Curtain hadn't quite fallen looking around. Not yet, but there are points in Valenis where if you look to one side of the street, yeah. it's very gray, very blocky. Yep. But you look to the other side, they're coming into their own. So we get back to the hotel. We're done. And Zadrunas is like, well, I can't. I have to leave. I have business elsewhere. But you've got, you've got money with you. I was like, all your food here at the hotel's paid for. Like, just eat drink he's like but if you had a chance go to downtown valenis walk around it's a beautiful place okay great so we're, yeah. we're walking around myself uh mati he was from finland and then sean logan was from the uk sean stereotypical big barrel belly big barrel chest loud laughter general uk kind of yeah. demeanor stereotype fulfilled great guy though so we're walking around mati's very tall very quiet very stoic and it's cobblestone streets with almost cathedral-like buildings, left and right. Colors are everywhere. Yeah. Kids are running around. Big statues. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, this is phenomenal. Yeah. Storybook almost. Right. Then the sun goes down. <laughs> Still phenomenal place. We don't know how to call a cab to go home. And we're watching all these cars drive by and us. And you don't know where home is. Well, that's exactly. We don't know Ooh. where the hotel is. And my plane leaves at 3.30 in the morning out of Lenis. And I, it's a 14-hour plane ride with a two. I've got a layover in Moscow. Yeah. Right? So I'm looking around, and Sean's got to leave the same time I do. And I'm like, yo, we got to figure out how to get back to the hotel. And I was like, I've got, I know I've got enough money here to get us back. So we just got to find a cab, though. So we're standing on the side of the street trying to find people to talk to. Not enough English <laughs> to make this shit happen. Yeah. I'm looking at my phone. No service. I'm like, uh. So now I'm trying to get find service. Just to like see if I can get yep. a translator, nothing. Cars are flying by us <laughs> with like obvious advertisements on the side of them. 
not in English. Yeah. And and so we're that staring. doesn't help. No, we're That's... staring at this, and Sean, we're standing there, and Sean's like, "Well, I got an idea." I was like, "No, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is." <laughs> it is. No. I, I've known you for forty-eight hours. You're one of my boys. I like you, Sean, but no. <laughs> so this this fucker jumps out in the street and pulls his shirt up and starts flashing his tits to all the cars coming by, trying to make one stop. Needless to say, nobody stopped. And so there's a van. <laughs> then we jumps back out of the street. We see a van stopping. People are getting out of it. And I look over. I'm the fastest of the three of us. And I was like, that's our ride home. So I yell just as loud as I can. And this van starts moving. And it stops. And I come sprinting up to this guy's window. Lithuania, country full of very small people, by the way. Yeah. Not very big people. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm breathing hard. And I was like, oh, hotel. Oh, hotel. And then Matt T comes running up, and he's got a card from the hotel and shows it. And the guy's like, oh, okay, okay. So we all three get in this van, and he's got trying three to – Three giants getting in. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's a van. We got lucky. Yeah. So they're trying to talk to – like, we're trying to talk to the guy, and he's getting us back. And it's okay, cool. And he goes, uh, it's like 10 euros or something. Not no, not a lot of money. Yeah. It's a very, very cheap place to live. Like, okay, 10 euros. So we, we get back <laughs> – we're getting back. And he goes, 20 euros. I was like, you said 10. And he goes, 20. Now, I'm, my concern is that if I argue with this guy, he'll find out that Zydrunas is putting us up. Zydrunas is a political figure in his home country. I don't want to make him look bad. Yeah. Well, then Matty come gets out of the car and goes around to the driver's side and goes, knock, knock. Matty's like 6'6". Six, six, remember that. Yeah. Guy rolls down the window and looks out and goes, Matty goes, 10 euros. <laughs> okay. Ten euros, <laughs> nodding up and down. Ten euros, ten euros. Ten euros. <laughs> it was, so yeah, getting lost in Lithuania. Yeah, that was. So, what do you think the weather's like in Canada? I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna let you be a stereotypical American here. <laughs> what do you think weather's like? I'm the wrong stereotypical American because I've spent time in Canada, and I've toured Canada. And what time of the year are we talking? <sighs> I landed in Montreal at midnight. And it was, oh, I was there for the 4th of July. July, midnight in Montreal. July, midnight, Montreal? Sounds like a bad country song, doesn't it? Oof, yeah. Um, I mean, based off of that, I'm guessing 50s Fahrenheit. It was hotter I'm, than any Virginia summer I've ever experienced. I'm, well, see, okay, so here's the hard part. Yeah. I was in Rochester okay. a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, Rochester, New York. Yeah. During the hottest week they have ever had on record. And Rochester is a city, probably much like Montreal, yeah. where nothing has air conditioning because oh. they don't need it. Oh. And it was 108 degrees. Yeah, we were. All week. Jesus. So that was. So I was a stupid American and thought Canada cold, cool, yeah, great white north, right? Life's gonna be great. No, I walked out. So before I was in Virginia, I was in Hawaii. I know humidity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I felt the the breeze and blast of hot air when the doors opened in the uh -huh. from the airport, and I was like, oh, did I get off the wrong place? So I was like, what the yeah. hell is this? Oh God, the see, you say that now, and I'm having flashbacks to Rochester and. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, Americans do some research before you travel. Yes. Yeah, don't. And look at what the weather's supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, because I, I thought Rochester, and I looked at, you know, the week before, and it mm -hmm. was 
mid seventies, I get up there and it's 108 and I'm just like, you've got to be kidding, kidding me. me. Like, really? Like it, this is Canada. Yeah. Like, what? No, where's the snow? Yeah. Right. And then the, the apartment that I was staying in yeah. had no air conditioning because oh. they don't need air conditioning up there. Cause it doesn't get that hot. <laughs> um, the guy, the guy that owns it yeah. was like, dude, I'm not going to put you up in the bedroom because it's 130 degrees. You will die. He goes, would you mind sleeping on the floor in the basement? It's concrete and I'm floor like, be cold. If it's a concrete floor, yes. <laughs> so he, so I go down there and I lay down and maybe 15 minutes after I had turned out the light, yeah, I hear a knock. I'm like, yo, what's up? He goes, would you mind if I came down? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, come on down. So we ended up having a, having a sleepover for the next three nights on this cold concrete floor because yeah. it was just it was so hot so yeah i don't doubt it I, i've been there yeah that that one and even in even in lithuania like i just have a bad track record like lithuania we, we land and it's gray it's kind of rainy kind of cool i'm like eh, okay like yeah no and it's that way the entire morning so we competed the next day it was that way that morning. We're, we're getting out there. I'm like, crap, like we're on grass. The grass is going to be wet. Like, okay, so I'm, I'm like trying to get my ankles mobilized, get my knees ready to work, like just in case I slip, stretching out. And all of us Eastern European males are walking around without our shirts on, you know, yeah. pale as can be. Sun comes out, goes up 25 degrees. We're in this bowl cut out stadium grass with stadium seating. Not a cloud in the sky. And you're friggin' burned yeah, in three seconds. Yeah, we're all, we stepped out of the tent without our shirts on and looked up and went, uh uh-uh. uh, step back in the tent, put our shirts on. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was like, nope. <laughs> See, I, I've had I've had both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, I spent some time in France in the yep. middle of summer mm-hmm. when it was like the high was 80 degrees. Yep. And I've been in Houston, Texas on Christmas Day a few years ago when it was 34 degrees and raining while it was 75 degrees and sunny. Jesus. Here. God. And, you know, I'm on the phone with my family going, Merry Christmas. It's raining and it's freaking cold." (laughs) cold. And they're going... It's sunny and beautiful here. And I'm going, I hate you. you. This is Texas. This is Texas. Well, and it's Houston. Yeah. And, you know, there's parts of Texas I love. Houston is not one of the parts I love. We'll we'll put it that way. I don't hate it. No, I've got got extended family in Lubbock. And I've I've been there a few times. I like Lubbock. I like dry heat, fat boy weather. Yeah. I like Austin. Yeah. I like Dallas. Okay. Yeah. Um. For different reasons. I yeah. mean, I've got some friends in Dallas and Frisco and that part of Texas. Yeah. Um, but Houston, I just – I haven't had amazing experiences over the mm-hmm. years. I've had some cool experiences as far as what I've done, but as far as the, the area itself, I don't think it'd be one of my move-to places. No, no, no. If I'm, well, I'm going to go to Texas, I'm staying out of the cities. See, I, I'd be going probably to Austin or – yeah. Again, maybe Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, somewhere. Yeah. That's because I like the big city. Yeah. But I don't necessarily want to be in the big city. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a huge like. I'm not anti people, but I definitely like my space. Yeah. Like I don't. 
Yeah. yeah. I the older I get and now that I'm out of touring and big city life and I've got a wife and two kids. Yes. I I've been domesticated and I don't want to be in the big city 24/7. Yeah. No. I do like getting out. Like I, I just yeah, I'm, I'm kind of an introvert. Like I, I don't like not totally, yeah. but I need time to recharge. Yeah. Like that's kind of I think I would love to find the spot where I can take this roastery mm-hmm. and put about a four or five thousand square foot building on a piece of dirt, yeah, and run the roastery out of that. Maybe have distribution elsewhere, yeah. Um, but to where I can kind of seclude myself mm-hmm. and Work people, on your craft. people that are working with me come into my home turf. Yes. You know, I, I love this. Yeah. You got your first taste of our roastery. Now, you saw the old place, the old yep. warehouse, but this is, you see what we've done here. Yep. And we can run a very efficient ship. You can. I, I really, I still think you're going to outgrow this place. I do. Um, I hope so. Like, I, I, I do. Quick. Like, I've seen, and that's, yeah, that's, I think it's going to happen quicker than you expect. But at the same time, you sound like you've got your hands on a couple different things. Yeah. Which are going to be able to, you're going to reap the benefits of in their off sites. Yes. Which means you're making money without being present. Yes. And that's how you, that's how you, that's how you get it done in the business world nowadays. Well, and it's, it's like this podcast. Mm-hmm. The whole idea behind this podcast is interesting conversations with fascinating people. <laughs> so basically it's an excuse for me to look at people that I've known for years Mm-hmm. And people that I haven't known for years and go, I want to I want to just sit down and have a conversation. Well, the cool part is in this area, I'm not going to – this is going to sound kind of conceited. It's not meant to. You actually have an idea who I am. Like, yeah. I, I work and I train. I don't go out. I'm a name. Like most people that know me from this town, they know me from bouncing. I've been doing this since I was 18 and I'm 27 now. Yeah. Like they don't, they don't know. They haven't sat well, – I, I don't chat. Like I don't go to bars. No. I don't go out. Like Well, and you and I have a little bit different – relationship because we've known each other from other various things over the years exactly um but that's the cool part about it and that's why you and i get to have this discussion oh yeah is because of those other items i mean your jam is right across the parking lot from where my old grocery was exactly which and i I think we did click the the, we we never spoke in depth unfortunately it was always kind of in passing a few minutes here and there what's going on yeah but i think the click was there simply because we're we're like-minded we've decided we're going to accomplish something yeah and two things are going to happen we'll die or we'll do it yeah and that's well it's a dangerous mindset like generally individuals like that can always find some ground oh that's where i know i have very limited knowledge of the coffee that comes in the bag much less about what happens before it gets in the bag yeah and you have limited knowledge of strongman but we do share a similar our, our brain. But that's the cool part about this. Yeah, our gear spend very in a very similar fashion. I get to ask you the stupid questions and <laughs> well, <no. laughs> the, the questions that a lot of people would love to ask. Yep. I get the chance to build a platform to ask those questions. Exactly. And that's you know, that's that's all I'm trying to do here. Well, it's not a big thing. It's just Let's have some cool conversations. Well, yeah, and, it, and it's neat to have this kind of platform to do that because, I mean, strongman's scary. It is. Like, the, the implements don't look friendly. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you have a you – know, our, our Atlas stones are kind of the staple. Everybody knows what those are. Like, yeah. But when they see one, like, they see a little one that weighs 100 or 200 pounds. Like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Well, then they see one that's 23 inches around and weighs 200 kilos. 
Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I don't want to touch that. Or yeah. Like, even. And then you're switching from pounds to kilos, which yes. is really the way the world should be is kilos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't have agreed with you until I started straw man. And then that I, just I wouldn't have agreed with me until I started roasting coffee. Yes. But then you get into it and everything you do is, you know, in the metric system. Yeah. And somehow we call our system the standard system. It's not standard. No, it's not. No one else uses pounds. Yeah. Like that. That's that's the that that's the funny part about when international athletes come stateside. And they'll say pounds at the bigger competitions here because that's what the masses in America know. Yeah. Well, you've got international athletes that are like, well, how does this work? And we start going over the, like, the metric system or anything for them or how we do pounds, conversions, cups, ounces. Yeah. And they stare at us like we're idiots. And you've got three different international athletes from three different places looking at you the exact same way. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, there might be something wrong with how we're doing things. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, this has been fun. It has been fun. Let's – uh. Let's adjourn. Yes, sir. Maybe have another drink. Oh, dear. I'm going to get you some coffee. Yeah. Because I, I can't let you leave without some coffee. I, I need a little bit of coffee. I need some. The last, what was it, Death Wish coffee, I think, years ago? Yeah. Had. Yeah. Like, what, what are your, we'll what are get you taken on, care of. What are your thoughts on that stuff? I mean, like, I'm I'm not going to badmouth my competition. Fair. Um, I feel like you guys are in two different markets, though. We are. They have a certain niche. Yes. And... They perform well to their niche. Yes. I, it's not my cup of tea or cup of coffee, <laughs> um, but they've done very well. Mm-hmm. It's like Black Rifle. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys, Matt Best and his team, mm-hmm. do an awesome job with Black Rifle. I cannot, I, I cannot speak well enough of what they have done with that brand. Yeah. Um, even though a lot of their coffees are just not my style. Yeah. You know, we've we've got our style. I I'm really starting to turn my focus more towards the collaborations. Mm-hmm. Um collaborations in the spirits world. Mm-hmm. We're looking at stuff in the cider and beer world. We've got some stuff potentially going in the wine world. Mm-hmm. Um chocolates. Uh, so there there's a lot of stuff there and the the cool part is I get to delve into the roasting to another level because I get to not only focus on how it tastes in the cup, Mm -hmm. but how the chemistry reacts with other food items. Okay. And we're, we're really delving into that science now. So did you as a kid, I'm going to say as a kid, I think, how old are you? I think we're roughly the same age. I'm 35. Okay. Okay. I'm 27. So, but okay. That means you were around for the original. So did you sip a four loco when you were a kid and go, I can do this better. (laughs) <laughs> i was never a fan of four loco nobody was but <laughs> yeah, well and that's um so the reason i will never be an alcoholic okay as you can see sitting on the table before us mm-hmm. i don't drink cheap liquor no but that's that's a strategy um for that reason i will never be rich enough to be an alcoholic I wouldn't say that. No, you'll you'll make as you will make as much money as you decide you want to make. Personally, I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm saying I would not want to put the <laughs> money. No matter into... how much money I make, it won't be worth being an alcoholic. Yes, this. exactly. Yes. Okay, we, I follow. Ferrari or alcoholism? Ah, Your you ass know, is not those... fitting in a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> Unless Ferrari decides to make like a, tr- they make a truck. Yeah. Yeah. But you're not yeah. getting in a Ferrari. That Tesla day. truck, though. 
man, like I can't I can't decide whether I love it or hate it. You know, I, I grew up working on horse farms. I love the way gasoline smells. I love the way diesel smells. Well, like, and man, that's yeah, yeah absolutely. Like that's I I that's gonna be hard for me to make the change. They're just they're doing some cool stuff. They are though. It's I, I get Elon's it. leaving California. Did you hear that? I'm not surprised. I I read that the other day, and I'm going, who isn't? Well, so what's gonna happen when he leaves? Because you know he's a smart dude. Like obviously he's a very smart and very rich man. So I wonder if when he leaves, if he's just gonna like cause an earthquake of some way, like that tunnel he was trying to build. <laughs> just, he's he's already tunneled his way out. Well, he's he, was now- he, he was building an <laughs> underground tunnel at one point that he. Oh, they're about to finish um, that, the first series in Vegas. Well, I, wasn't he saying he was building one in California and that he was lining it like snake scales? That way it could move with yeah. the earthquake? Well, I guarantee you that's just the plan to make sure California cracks off and falls into the ocean. He's going to leave, oh, and it's just oh, going to yeah. happen. <laughs> like, yeah, they just finished. So they, the Las Vegas Convention Center yeah. hired um, the boring company, Elon's company, <laughs> yep. um, to build the tunnels to go, f- I think, from the airport to the convention center. Yep. And then the plan is to do all the tunnels going to all the hotels. Yeah. Um, but they're about to finish, from what I saw the other day, mm-hmm. they're about to finish that project. Jesus. So, I mean, you've got him leaving. Ben Shapiro left. Yep. And he's, I mean, he, he's whether you love him or hate him, he's got 80 employees and he runs a probably a $50 million a year company. Yeah. Um, you got Joe Rogan. He's gone. Yeah, but I'm well. Yeah, I'm not surprised that though. That that, that yeah, was that's a hundred and twenty million dollar, hundred and ten million dollar worth of taxes that they that California is no longer getting. Okay, so they left. It doesn't mean they're selling their property. Uh, yeah, but they're moving their businesses. Fair. No. 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 Fair. 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 You know. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's just. It's. It's getting crazy now. Everything. Everything. Yeah, is getting crazy. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be interesting how things lay out. I mean, I'm lucky enough that I, I my job stayed. So like my job wasn't, if anything, my job got more more hectic when yeah. COVID hit. Yeah. But it's there. We had a couple of months where it was just yeah freaking shut down. Yes. And we're just this week, last week, and this week is the first time we've seen some semblance of normalcy. Yeah. So we're we're still in the startup mode of that. Yeah. So we're hoping it sustains. Yeah. Um, I you know who knows. It, it, Everything's uncertain. All I know is I'm going to go ahead and do what I do, and we're going to power through this. Okay. Well, what happens if your business fails? What do you do? I move on to the next. A case in fucking point, you're going to be just fine no matter that's, what happens. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, it's my me and my family and our our well being. Yeah is not predicated on the success or failure of this business. No. I'm going to take care of my family. Now, do yeah. I want the business to succeed? Absolutely. Am I going to do everything to make it succeed? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. But you're it's you, it's like we talked about beforehand. You have you have a goal, you have something you want to accomplish. Absolutely. And that's I mean, that's I so the way I look at it is I spent 15 years in the music industry. Yeah. I'm an audio engineer. Yeah. I got to work with some of the best of the best all over the world. Yeah. Um, guys that were way, way above me in the field. Yeah. And then when I left it in 2015 to do coffee full time, I decided I want to be one of the best in the world at this. Mm-hmm. And I want to play with the big players at this. And guess what? We're doing it. We're, 
we're making the moves yep. and I'm really focused in on making sure our products are what they are. Yes. And that that's the only way to succeed is to not so much focus on building a big business, yep. but focus on building a better business. Yes, exactly. It's, it's making it more efficient. Bigger is not always better. It's, I mean, it's same with, with you and Strongman, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It's not always about lifting more weight. No, it's lifting it's it better. It's about learning how to lift it better. Exactly. Being a student of the game and continuing to progress. I mean, ultimately, if I want to lift more weight, faster it can be done but then i'll just die fast i'll die quicker like i'm yeah. sorry sorry to take that negative turn for it but no but it's like, true yeah i it's, mean it's yeah you either get better at what you can do or you choose to continue to progress and be heavier and heavier and then something catastrophic happens yeah like it's well i mean wheelchairs are cool so i'm prepared <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm ready yeah I'm, I'm, I'm good with it those those bigger wheelchairs oh don't even yeah like it you follow me around with a gopro for a day I, uh, I, well, I've seen you fold yourself in and out of that escape. Okay, so first and off, I got a kid, and I had to commute over 70 miles a day to work. And that escape has hauled over 4,000 pounds with a strongman equipment. Oh, I believe it. Like, it's, it, wasn't, I believe it, it, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> it, it was not pretty. You just look like a transformer getting in and out of it. <laughs> I, prefer Mr., I prefer Mr. Incredible. But, uh, well, there we yeah. go. Okay. Well, it, it's funny. The, uh, the, the girl I'm... I'm, I'm spending time with at this point in time. She drives this massive truck, and she's like this five foot six blonde girl, right? She climbs out of this massive truck, and I climb into my Ford Escape. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she, we, we've talked about it. She's like, you don't feel like that's a threat to your masculinity? I was like, my small car? And she goes, no, my big truck. And I was like, yeah, but I can pull your truck. Yeah. Me, not my car. I can you, do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no. I don't think there's any threat there. No, no, like it goes back to the confidence thing. Like, <laughs> like I can, I can, I can physically move your truck if the engine doesn't start. What are yeah. you, what are you gonna do? Yeah, exactly. No, but well, yeah. Let's Bobby sign off, my friend. It's been fun. It has been a blast. We'll do this again soon. Yes, sir. hopefully on the other side of this uh, competition. Yes, we'll, hopefully. Yep, we'll have you back and we can talk about uh, what went down. We will have some stories from the hotel. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Yes, sir. Have a good day. You do the same. Hey guys, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Urban Roaster. If you like it, make sure you get online, share it with your friends and family, help us grow this podcast. Also, if you're interested in helping sponsor the podcast, make sure you go to theurbanroaster.com. We do have a link there where you can either do a one-time sponsorship or you can set up a monthly sponsorship. It would mean the world to us, and it'll help us get the equipment we need to continue making this thing better. We've got a lot of big dreams, and it keeps coming quick. So again, thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I will see you on the next one. Later.